We all carry unique histories and unseen feelings that, if acknowledged, might help us to bridge our differences. Welcome to Sidewalk Ghosts with Richard Radstone. Short, open-hearted stories that reveal the wisdom and vulnerabilities of unique strangers and confirm just how much our individual influence has upon the world we share. Kids can be mean. I got teased a lot. Uh, I got beat up a lot. They didn't understand. And this was like through elementary and even middle school. And so, you know, my external narrative started to be created to protect myself, which was, I'm good, I'm strong, I'm capable, I can do anything, I don't need anybody's help. And I went deep into the mental toughness side of things because I looked different, I was different. I didn't quite understand the power of my story. I didn't quite understand all the gifts that I was given as a result of it in those early years, right? I think when you're a kid, what you want to do is just fit in. And you just want to have connection and friends and, and you don't necessarily have the maturity, the emotional resiliency or ability to kind of navigate through that. So that external narrative protected me. I've played back his opening statement more times than I can count. Rationalized the feeling of his being bullied as a youth, a result of his physical appearance after having his arm torn off at his shoulder when as a child he was run over by a truck. A tragedy that he refers to as a gift and one that to this day has left its imprint on the person he has grown to be. Yet as a badge of entitlement he wears it not, but rather carries it as a catalyst to better understanding the trials of others. He speaks of an adulthood chapter as he sets stage for a much larger consideration. What started was I started to chase the what? What house, what car, what amount of money? But I was young and I wanted to take over the world. And so, I, you know, it was one of those things. And when I say take over the world, take over the corporate world, having no idea what that meant and had to really establish, for lack of a better term, a cadence of connection that was also empty. And I had this crusty exterior where I had to prove to myself more than even prove to other people how smart I was, how capable I was, how I could do these things. You know, I had all these goals that I'd set for myself to chase the what, they were all surrounded by the age of 30 and I crushed all of them by like 26 or 27 and I never really reevaluated that. Successful in the world's eyes he was, a man motivated by chasing the what's as he quested for intellectual honors. He was young, driven to receive accolades that confirmed his capabilities, even to the point of, in his words, crushing it. Yet, as he looks back, in his words once again, at his crusty self, he shifts his perspectives in revealing yet another set of life's lessons. I have a very rare and extreme case of growth hormone deficiency. It took years to find multiple specialists who all told me I was perfectly healthy and nothing wrong with me, to the point that I almost gave up. And my wife finally gave me one last push. We went and did it. It took six months of tests to find it. We finally found it, needle in a haystack. But the two things that it compromised were I had brain fog, literal cognitive dysfunction, and I had a fatigue at a level that I had never experienced in my life. This kind of rocked me from an identity standpoint. And what started to happen was I started to feel in a way that I'd never felt before. You know, my wife had said to me for the prior 10 years before that, like that I didn't feel anything, that I didn't have empathy, that, you know, it was what it was, that I just, I, I kind of navigated. And I was like, no, 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 I feel everything, right? Like, I just, I, I feel like, what are you talking about? You don't know what's in my body, of course I feel, right? And, and would like respond with defensiveness and like all of those things. Well, I'm playing with my daughter one day and I mean, she was probably two at the time. We're running around, we're laughing, we're having all this fun. We lay down on the couch to turn the show on and just relax. She leans over, puts her arm around my neck, gives me a kiss on the cheek and says, Daddy, I love you. And I start, I, like out of nowhere, just broke down in tears. 
Now, men who cry, I view as a sign of strength. I've just never manifested my emotions that way. So it caught me off guard because I was like, what is happening right now? And I was happy. So I was like, why are these tears happening when I'm so happy? Right? And, and it made me start to question if I'm experiencing joy in this capacity right now, and I've never felt it to this level before, what am I missing on the other side? Pain, fear, despair, anger, guilt, right? And so I started to really unpack emotions and I started to realize how much I was actively suppressing, but I was it was passive in my mind. I never knew I was actively suppressing. And so that whole period of my life that was around human connection, I had mastered it, but from a tactical standpoint, not from like a true connection standpoint, but because I didn't have the spectrum of emotion myself, I didn't empathize, which meant I didn't connect. And so I used to believe that it was mental toughness alone. Now it's not what I believe. Uh, I genuinely believe those that unlock and go to the next level in this world, in this universe, are those that understand intellectual narratives, those that understand emotional narratives, those that can connect the mind and the body, and those that can regulate between which narrative is true or if neither are true, given certain scenarios so that we can then move forward. So really one of the things that I believe most is the ones that unlock are the ones that not just think, not just the ones that feel, but the ones that think about their thinking, that think about their feeling, that feel their thinking and feel their feelings. And it's that box that allows us to become whole as human beings. And that's where we start to get back to the human connection because we have to feel and connect for us to be free. Brian is his name. And as a navigator of this human experience that we are all living and sharing, and in his signature style, he warmly extends his arms to give each one of us some most tangible counsel. The world literally tells us to reduce, eliminate, or avoid pain. And I'm telling you that the world is wrong. Right? That was a natural part of our evolutionary response to protect ourselves way back when, but that's not what needs to happen today. But we need to start by understanding what's the difference between pain and suffering. Pain is literally defined as short-term, intermittent, and a direct cause from something, and alleviated once that direct cause removed. And then what we do as human beings is we screw everything up by putting adjectives and other clarifying words in front of it, like acute and chronic. So acute maintains the definition. Chronic implies that the definition changes because it means that it's not short term and persists after that direct cause is removed. Let's stop calling that chronic pain and let's call it what it really is, which is suffering. Okay. Now we don't want to admit that suffering exists, particularly when it's a direct result of our choices. Whereas pain gets lots of attention because we feel it we recognize it. suffering, which again, isolation and loneliness can be suffering creeps up on us because we adapt to it over time, sometimes until it feels like it is irreversible. And so if you're feeling this way, one, there's hope. Two, there are people who can guide you out of it. And three, just remember this. I believe we all must choose our pain or our suffering will choose us. If you're feeling lonely, start to identify, is there someone that I can reach out to? If you can't connect with humans because it's too daunting right out of the gate, just start connecting back with the earth. Capture a little bit of sunshine, breathe in a little bit of fresh air, take your shoes off, put your feet on the ground, ground yourself to the earth, and I know this sounds like a little hippie-ish in some ways, but there's truth to it. Connect to the energy that exists holistically, which are fluorescent indoor lights and concrete floors and things, you know, really prevent us from doing. That in and of itself, if you do it regularly and consistently, will give you the ability to start taking those couple of steps further outside of your yard so that you can go find someone to give a hug. You can find an element of human connection. Problem is, is the world has conditioned us to be inside a box and tell us who we should be. And we've lost a lot of that bright learning light that we're, or that, that, that bright 
burning light that we're born with. And if you can shed the layers of what the world has done to you and get back to that bright burning light, not only with those that are closest to us, with our spouses, our partners, our families, our whatever, but we choose to look at humanity from a lens of love, it starts to help us see that we actually have more in common than we have apart. And it hopefully will start bridging that gap between all the polarization and politicization that's pulling people apart today. That's a lack of love. And that's narratives that are feeding hate and fear. And those are just detrimental to who we are. So I think we need to feel love to understand and appreciate what it is, but then we have to choose love on a regular and consistent basis. And kindness, it's, it's never wrong to do the right thing, period. You never really know what's going on in someone's world. 